0: Good morning. morning. Welcome to those who are joining us online for this first Sunday of Advent. And if you know anything about the church year, you know that every Advent we start over, telling the story of God's redeeming love for the world, starting at the very beginning, which is a very good place to start. And I think we really need that this year, don't we? Sometimes when I'm reading a book, I get distracted right when I start reading, and for some reason, I miss some crucial things that happen in the plot right away, and I usually realize it when I'm at about page 23, and I find myself thinking, so who is this now? Why are they here again? And I know if I'm going to move forward, I'm just going to have to go back to page one and start over, and this time actually pay attention to each character who comes into the plot and what they mean to the story. And when I take the time to actually do that, I get a whole lot more out of the book by the end, and the experience is a whole lot less frustrating. It's a lot more enjoyable. So is there anything about this past year that has made you feel a little bit like you've lost the plot? Have you forgotten who the main characters actually are? And this eternal story of God's plan to redeem and recreate this broken world I think for all of us, it helps, every so often, to start over at the beginning and to remember what this story is all about and where we are in it. And if I were to ask you, what in this past year has made you feel stress? What's made you feel unsafe or uncertain? What's caused you to feel misunderstood or unloved or devalued by others? I would guarantee your answers to those questions are going to be different than your neighbors. Maybe even the opposite. But you can believe that everybody feels it. And there's been many things this past year that have torn down, torn apart, exposed things for many, for good or for bad. But not much in life has been left untouched in every corner of this globe and in various corners of our own families, which you might have experienced over the Thanksgiving holiday. So when things feel uncertain, and we long to know what we can hold on to that's bigger than this current moment in history, that's bigger than the hurts of this past year, bigger than all of us, Advent dawns to remind us of the bigger story of which we're a part. And as we prepare our hearts for the upcoming celebration of Christmas, the season of Advent first takes us deep and wide, showing us that the event of Jesus' birth was not a standalone event of God's action for the world, but the culminating event of thousands of years of God's promises to his people. So Advent takes us back and invites us to remember with all those previous generations what it is to wait for and to see the faithfulness of God to what he has promised. And Advent takes us forward Fast forwards to God's promises at the end of time into the new creation and reminds us, even though we aren't waiting for the Savior to be born in the same way, we are waiting for the day that he will return and end this chapter and begin with us a new one. In Advent, we remember we have a God who was who has faithfully acted in tangible and powerful ways in history, and we have a God who is in this current moment in history with us right now. And we have a God who is to come. We have a God through whom more is to come, and who himself will one day come to renew and recreate all that's been broken. So Advent is a step back before the celebration to help us see the big picture and to help us remember what Jesus coming to be God with us actually means to us and in our lives right now and for our hope and our future. And of course, that starts in being rooted in the knowledge of what was true, what has been true of God through his faithful actions in the past. Because when you think about it, How is faith, how is trust created? I want to invite you to think about the people in your life who you trust the most. Why do you trust them? Most likely, it's because in your past history with them, you've seen you can trust them with your secrets or to help you when you need it. And because they have been faithful in the past, you know this person is someone you can trust to do the same thing for you in the future. But it's really hard to trust someone when you have no history with them because trust often takes time. And that's why we as the people of God spend so much of our time together learning and remembering the stories of God as he was with the people of faith in generations past. Because in hearing how he acted and why he acted, we come to trust who he is for us today. Just like hearing stories about our friends helps us to know more of who they are, learning the stories of God through history helps us know his character too. And when we hear stories about people, even before we personally know them, we can start to form a sense that we could maybe trust them in our lives today too. So our faith in God... To trust him with our lives today starts when we see and know that we actually do have history with him, whether we've recognized him in it or not, because the truth is he has been faithful to love us first, to act for our sake first, to reach out to us first And in the story of his love that has spanned all generations of history, he is the one who has laid down everything for us, even to the point of death on a cross, to show us that we can put our trust in him. We can trust him to meet us in our time of need. So knowing the God who was, what God has done in the past, is important because it shows us the foundation of his character and of his heart. Knowing who God was helps us to trust and connect with the God who is in our lives today and trust him for what is to come. Now, it's true, we human beings, we can sometimes over-promise things that are not actually in our control. We can say, yes, yes, I'll do that Tuesday without realizing that Tuesday the car won't start or the pipes will break or some other unforeseen thing will end up taking our Tuesday that we didn't anticipate. But what God promises He will do because there's nothing in all of heaven and earth that can disrupt God's faithfulness. But that means we have to understand what it is that God actually promises that will never change and what we simply hope God will do or ask God to do which may or may not turn out the way we expect or desire. And so many times, the twists and turns of our own story, our own plot line, is so all-consuming to us that we can lose sight of the greater arc of the story. We can lose hope, lose faith, even though we've already been told how it's all ultimately going to be. Because of what God has done in the past for our sake, because of who God is now for you, we can trust what is to come is his victory for all of us. So lest we get lost in the weeds, today what I'd like to do is start at the end and then work back to the beginning. So what is the hope of what is to come? We're going to be talking more about two weeks from now. In the book of Revelation, John writes to the churches, reminding them who both he and they worship and serve. John says this, Grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits before his throne and from Jesus Christ who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth. So this tells us we can trust Jesus, the faithful witness, because of what he did. Jesus walked his talk. He went first into death and into new life. He is the firstborn from the dead. So we can trust that he can walk us, too, into that future hope with him where he reigns as king of kings. So with that reminder of the power of who it is that we're talking about, John then goes to write more personally about what Jesus means to us. He says, To him who loves us, present tense. Did you catch that? And has freed us from our sins by his blood, past tense, that's over and done. And has made us to be a kingdom, future, and priests to serve his God and Father. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. And then John gives us a glimpse of what is yet to come. Look. He is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who have pierced him, and all peoples on earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Everything starts and ends with him. The enormous paws of the Lion of Judah lay behind and before us, and our lives are in between. But did you notice the order of these tenses? He is, and he was, and he is to come. It always starts with he is. Because the now is always where we find him. This is where he is with us, where we are in this current moment. He is the God who is. And one day when we finally look upon the face of Jesus, when we see him, scripture tells us we will mourn. Either we will mourn over our own foolishness that we haven't recognized him in all the previous moments of what was, or we will mourn to think that this Jesus would choose suffering, choose death for you and for me. And the absolute absurdity of his love for one such as us will cut us to the heart. But this kind of mourning is the kind that leads to dancing amazing love. How can it be that you, my king, would die for me? That is the end that will lead to the new beginning that cannot be written in finite words. And if that is the end in the one who is to come, where does it begin? Where do we start? Well, Jesus' disciple John explained it like this. He starts his gospel with these words. In the beginning was the word. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human's decision or husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out, saying, This is the one I spoke about when I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of his fullness, we have all received grace and place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father has made him known. The Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. The one who was before us comes to be light and life for you and for me now. The one who is is also the one who always was and who will always be and who has more for you to come. So when we prepare our hearts in Advent, we start by remembering what was. We look into the prophecies of God to see that his heart has always been to save and to redeem. And we remember that God has been preparing this salvation for you and for me long before we even existed. His love is long and deep and wide and personal. And as we prepare to receive now what this God of faithful love wants to relight in our hearts in this dark season, we remember he is the light of the world for you and for me. And in obedience to God's call, John the Baptist came to prepare the people with a word of what was prophesied long before Jesus' birth in the days of Isaiah. And still his words call us to prepare and receive what the God who is and what he wants to show us today, to turn the page back to the beginning when the story was new and let it speak again to you. From Mark 1, the beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And Jesus has and does and will also do this in you. Because there is more to be written in the story of the Messiah's work on the pages of your life and mine. And Advent is the time to prepare the pages for the new things he will write in your life. So prepare your heart first by remembering who he is and what he has done and what he has promised for you. Know that trust takes time. It takes building history. So take time this Advent, this week, to intentionally remember your history, beloved, with the one who loves you, present tense, and has freed us from our sins by his blood, past tense, and who has made you to be future, his own forever. Remember this Advent, your place, and the larger story of his love. Because he has always been faithful to save. He is, he was, and he will always be for you. So prepare the way for him in you today. Let's pray. Lord God, when we look back over all the things that you've done, all you've done, Jesus, here on earth, of your faithfulness to meet us here And to walk through life and into death and into new life again for our sake. We can only respond in awe. Amazing love. How can it be that you, my king, would die for me? And when I feel like I've lost the plot where you're at work in my life, Lord, take me back to the beginning. And remind me of your history, not only with your people, but also with me. Remind me, Jesus, of all you've done for me, to write a place just for me into the story of your saving love. Remind me that you are Emmanuel, God with us. You are the God who comes for me because that is who you've always been. Anchor me in your love, Father, for it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.